0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Forrester CX Cast. Each week we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. My name is Diana Laufer, along with my co-host Sam Stern, you'll hear our voice each week. And welcome to another episode of CX Cast. I'm your co-host, Deanna Laufer, along with my co-host, Sam Stern. Hello. Hi, Sam. Today we have two guests to talk about their report called The Dawn of Anticipatory CX. We have Principal Analyst Ryan Hart on the Customer Experience Team, and we have Vice President and Principal Analyst James McQuivy, who is on our CMO team, who co-wrote this report. So welcome, both of you. Thank you. It's great to have you both. And this is a relatively new topic that Forrester is covering, especially in the CX world. So maybe, Ryan, you could start by telling us a little bit about what you're seeing in the market that inspired you guys to write this report.
1: Yeah, thank you, Deanna. I think part of the research that we want to do is push the boundaries of some of the thought leadership that Forrester is putting out in, in terms of CX. And I think, you know, we research a lot about emotion and the impact of CX on emotion. And well, it seems, you know, that human behavior is often considered irrational or we think that buying behavior of customers is irrational. But I think that biologically and fundamentally, our physiology is the same. You know, human physiology is the same. And this ties really nicely into, into kind of the concepts of behavioral economics. So what can we predict about behavior or what a customer is going to do based on, you know, our understanding of the neurophysiology of the brain how those chemicals interact, and, you know, I think that's really our only constant when when you have these evolving customers and these involving expectations. It's a moving target, but the physiology stays the same.
0: James, maybe you could elaborate a little bit more on the physiology behind anticipation. You know, what about this should our listeners know about?
1: Well, it's an important question. In fact,
2: it it adds nicely to what Ryan was just saying as we're trying to push the boundaries of what people think CX encompasses. From my perspective, Not being a CX pro or a CX analyst myself, I'm looking at it and saying, okay, good that we are working so hard to get the momentary CX, that in-moment customer experience, to be as delightful as possible. But really, the way we know the brain works is that your experience of a moment is also a function of what you brought to that moment, what your expectations Mm -hmm. were, and how you imagined that moment would be. And so... You know the the old line about the best way to to overperform is to keep expectations low. That's part of that, but there's a lot more to it than that. So if I show up at a place like Disney World, I show up with a certain set of expectations. If I show up to my birthday, and this may happen in your household differently, but some people show up on their birthday just excited about all the good things that are going to happen to them, and they think I shouldn't have to work on my birthday. I should. All of that is a function of what they're anticipating a future experience to be like. Well. Where does that anticipation come from? It certainly comes from their prior experience, from what someone told them. It comes from a marketing message that my CMO client that I'm working with has spent a lot of time crafting. But where does that message go in the brain? Interestingly, of all the places it goes, and it does go in multiple places, one spot is this anticipatory reward system that we specifically highlight in this report. And this system has the job of essentially taking something that we look forward to and creating a kind of chemical loop that says let's keep looking forward to that and forward to that in order to motivate us to actually go get it. So that when we do get it, then the chemicals reward us and say, congratulations, you've got that thing that we wanted so desperately. And this anticipatory reward system is active in all kinds of things from looking forward to a a hug and a kiss at the end of a long day, or looking forward to a new movie that everyone is talking about. It's that anticipation of something that is a little bit uncertain. In fact, interestingly enough, the more uncertainty there is associated with it, in some cases, the more we anticipate it. And then we get this chemical payoff right before it happens which is itself very interesting right before this thing happens we get the chemical payoff it's a little bit of a high that we experience and that's the power that we're trying to tap into beginning with this report
1: you know we go through this period of buyer's remorse which You know, you've saved and you're anticipating for this new house or this new boat and you're you're excited because you have this flow of dopamine and you're, you're anticipating this, but once you get the reward, then you have this buyer's remorse and it's actually because when you actually obtain the reward, that's actually when dopamine begins to dissipate. It's the natural process of always seeking some new novel experience and so it's very interesting how as humans, you know, we get on this hedonic treadmill. We always think, okay, I bought my house, now what? So you're always anticipating something positive in the future. One of the core messages that we wanted to bring out in this report is how can you actually maintain that momentum, sustain that, and actually keep people always having and thinking positively and can maintain that positive momentum throughout the experience.
3: What's striking about what you guys are describing here is, first of all, the fact that brain releases the reward before the moment you are anticipating actually arrives. So it sounds like there's a strong function of our expectations that almost makes us have a pre-memory or you know enjoy the experience before the moment actually comes and happens, but James, you mentioned common phrase people use right of lowering expectations to to exceed them, and I could see this going in two ways right on the one hand it's oh we want to keep expectations low so that we can exceed them and delight you on the other hand maybe we want to heighten expectations because birthday, you know, your birthday is a day of heightened expectations about people paying attention to you. And if you have a good day, it's almost like you anticipated it and your heightened expectations were met, so you were excited the whole time. Whereas there's sort of a you know, flip side to that, which is you weren't expecting anything and someone threw you a surprise party. So it's a surprise and delight moment. I, I'm wondering how you think about those two ways of approaching the anticipation period of the experience.
2: You know, I'll, I'll start with just a quick thought, and that is both of those situations are true. They happen... But the issue that marketers and CX pros have to contemplate is that it's not a one-shot deal. I mean, as someone who has to continually up my own delivery of birthday expectations for members of my household, it ends up being tricky year after year after year to do that. And a marketer, a CX pro is in that same situation. If I delight you, I have to delight you again. But the unfortunate thing that we face is you're not the only person setting expectations and maybe it's not so unfortunate, it's kind of exciting really, but it's a fact that Apple or Amazon or Uber, and those are just the easy examples. But in one person's life, it could be any number of things, from their gym where they have an amazing trainer to their uh, great new car that they just bought, whatever it is. Those expectations of anticipation and ultimate satisfaction have been set by other people. And we are competing with the brain chemistry with those people, even if they're not in our own industry. And, and that's an important thing to remember so that we don't just say, oh, good, let's just tell everyone how crummy our products are so that they're totally surprised when they get them. Because if we tell everyone how crummy they are, they won't even begin or initiate that anticipation
3: process
2: because they're going to move those chemicals on to some other person who's promising them higher hedonic value.
3: Right. Jane, you had touched on the release of dopamine, right? That sort of anticipation and the brain giving the reward out just before the actual moment comes and that that's sort of the the primary driver of that reward cycle are there other elements to that other components to that sort of making us feel good making us feel like we've had you know the the thing we've been anticipating has been delivered now even even before it actually happens
2: yeah it's a very important question because sometimes when we learn something new say dopamine or we've seen this with a oxytocin, when that was first understood, we learn about these brain chemicals, we think, oh, that explains it. That explains pleasure. That explains bonding. That explains anticipation. And it's really important to realize that even though we do some amazing animal studies to see how monkeys who have similar brain structure do some of these things and respond to a single stimulus, as human beings, we are not Generally single stimulus minded creatures. We exist in a world where our next opening fix could come from dozens of possible things we could choose to do next So we're not just trying to get that fix from that pellet That's going to be dropped from uh, you know the blue button that we've pushed as maybe an animal uh, can be reduced to that except in the case of extreme opiate addiction, where that is actually the mental state of someone in extreme opiate addiction. Uh, I know this from a project I worked on years ago, where they in fact only do have one thing that they want, and that is an opiate mm. stick. Most of us, most of the time, are really living in a complex web of possible things that could stimulate dopamine. And in fact, a marketer is smartest when they realize that they need to be shifting slightly the things that they're promising. Even if the product itself doesn't change, the the story around why you would want to be associated with that product or why you want to look forward to that product can change. And that's what seasonal sales and promotions are about. That's what tying to uh, an upcoming concert or public event or big thing that's blowing up on Twitter. All of those things are about subtly shifting the mechanisms that would prompt that dopamine response, partly because the same Stimulus repeated over and over we will actually gradually become inured to and will no longer be stimulated by it. So you have to change it. You have to introduce variety. But also because in my mind there are all sorts of areas that aren't being scratched. If all I ever do is hear you say to me, enjoy us for this reason, enjoy us for this reason, there are parts of me, dimensions of me as a human being that you are not Satisfying or engaging is perhaps a better way to say it from a CX perspective of you're missing the opportunity to engage the whole need. And so even though dopamine is the principal chemical that we're talking about, the parts of the brain that come to the fore and say, ooh, ooh, that new shiny thing, that might be worth anticipating, which then triggers the dopamine cycle that we're talking about here. That's powerfully human, and it is probably nerve-wracking from a marketer's perspective. I can tell you that it is. I'm sure it is from a CX pro's perspective but it's also part of why this is so much fun.
1: James and I are working on another report that should be out pretty soon, really about what CX pros and marketers to some extent can learn from Pokemon Go. And obviously Pokemon Go, where we talk about anticipatory reward and how Pokemon Go, for example, Stokes a number of those, you know whether it be as James touched on, oxytocin about bonding with other people, you have endorphins that are released once you overcome a very difficult challenge battling with with strangers in a gym, for example, or you know the anticipation of what will be hatched from like a ten kilometer egg, for example, so you have a variety of different brain chemicals that are being stoked that are getting. Almost similar to an addiction, you're not actually receiving any type of intrinsic reward, or not monetary or or physical, but it's just this kind of addiction that you're getting to, you're so excited to see what the next reward is or the next prize that you win, Um, and that's really what is so compelling about gamifying, whether it be physical experiences or, or games, actual games like Pokemon Go.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a great example. And, you know, it sounds pretty tricky, I guess, even though it's an understatement, you know, the idea <laughs> of keeping this high throughout the whole experience. Ryan, maybe we can close with a little bit of practical advice. You know, how should the CX pros listening to this podcast, how can they harness the power of anticipation to design an experience that does sort of deliver those high points throughout the entire experience that they're designing and delivering?
1: Sure. James talked a little bit about Disney and a lot of companies will look at Disney and say, wow, if there ever was a master at anticipatory CX, it would be Disney. And that's kind of their business. And it's actually getting people excited to come to the theme parks, getting people excited to go in the store and buy action figures or putting out trailers maybe a year before the movie's actually released and getting people excited about it. And they do a good job of following and sustaining that momentum throughout the experience. But what if you're not Disney, for example. What if you are a travel company? What if you're an insurance company? Okay, what does this mean for me? You know, obviously it's very difficult to get people excited about going in and paying their premiums, for example, for their life insurance, or getting people excited about anticipating going into your bank and transferring money, for example. But how can you actually take some of these elements of gamification and apply these into thoughtfully designed experiences that use elements of unpredictable rewards or incremental achievements? You know, a lot of these we see in in a a lot of different loyalty programs do a good job of of getting people engaged and and looking how a lot of online uh, assets use elements of gamification to engage customers is a really good start, and then obviously every business is different in how they want to do that, but now that's part of the excitement, and that's why we're really at the dawn of anticipatory CX. CX. I don't think that there's one right way to do this. I think that's about being creative. It's about using design thinking, human-centered design to really create these exciting new experiences.
0: Yeah, TripAdvisor gets me all the time sending you these emails. You're only one review away from your next badge. you know five people found your review very helpful it's uh it's very nice to think that. yeah
3: <laughs> but I, I love that idea that you almost have you know your disney trip that you reviewed on TripAdvisor, and then if you could if the bank account could link into that sort of borrowed you know anticipatory uh, design as well they could be helping you save for your next vacation that you're going to review on TripAdvisor. advisor that that could become the loop almost Um, absolutely absolutely i like that idea of you know because you're as you're saying it's like there's nothing anticipatory about transferring money but you can anticipate a vacation and part of that anticipation is saving until you have enough money to go which the bank could help you with
2: just exciting for me that we're able to help people realize that there is more power than just the in-moment customer experience available to cx pros that really You can start developing the story that you're telling through your experience of what you should anticipate, what it feels like to be in that moment before it happens, and then how to reflect on it in a positive emotional way after it's done, which then initiates the next cycle of desire and anticipation. Um, And I think that that expands the role of CX, but in a way that I, from my experience with uh, customer experience professionals, that they're ready for.
0: Thank you both for joining us today to talk about this report. I found it very thoughtful and, and pretty fun read. You've got lots of good examples in there. So we'll definitely link that for our listeners. Again, it's called The Dawn of Anticipatory CX. And thank you, Ryan and James, for joining us today. We hope to have you back. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's CXCast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in this episode in the podcast show notes. For questions or suggestions, please contact me at D-L-A-U-F-E-R at Forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality.